Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On Good Friday, before the Sabbath began, St. Mark tells us that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Bless and Joseph, and Salome, and many other women who came up with Jesus to Jerusalem, watched the crucifixion from afar. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary followed afterwards to see where their Lord was laid. Now the Sabbath was over. It technically was over last night, but that was too dark for the work which these faithful women intended. And so when it was very early in the morning on Sunday, the first day of the week, they went to the tomb to finish their last task of love for their Lord. He had not been buried in a manner that was befitting him. Two disciples who were on the Jewish high council, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, had done their best in haste. Joseph provided the tomb and bought fine linens, and Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of dried spices and aloes to put with the linen. But there was no time before the Sabbath came to properly prepare the body. But now the Sabbath was over, and in this climate the women needed to hurry if they wanted to do this right. So they go very early in the morning with spices and oil so that they could anoint the body of Jesus. They know that even after this time, some decay may have set in, and so they desire to go as quickly as they can to do this loving act for their Lord. All the others had fled him. No male disciples were with them now. All the twelve, even John, who stayed through the crucifixion, had not come to help these women. These ones were afraid and hiding, so the women go. They go with one purpose, but in their haste they do not consider who will remove the stone. They did not know about the guard, as the Jewish leaders had not asked Pilate for that until the Sabbath had already come. But they knew that there was a large stone that was rolled in front of the tomb in a grooved track, according to the local manner. Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? They say to themselves as they get nearer and nearer to the tomb. Little did they know that this would not be a problem for them. For when they arrived, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. St. Mark's retelling of the resurrection is the shortest, and he leaves out much of what, other, what else happened around it. But if we look at the other Gospels, we can see that what they would have seen was anything but a peaceful sight. There was an earthquake, St. Matthew tells us, the second in a short time frame. There was one at the moment of our Lord's death on the cross, and now there was one this morning. Many of the tombs not cut into the solid rock would have been damaged, and now the very large stone was not only rolled away back in its grooved track, but it was lying on its side. The guards, which they did not expect, were lying on the ground as if they were dead men. If anything looked like a grave robbing, this was it. Everything was in disarray. 
From St. John's account, we know that Mary Magdalene did not get any closer at first, but she leaves immediately, running back to get John and Peter to tell them what happened, and they come then with her to check again. And so because Mary Magdalene leaves at this point, she does not see what these other women do. They keep going. They need to look. They enter the tomb. And entering the tomb, they see a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. What a sight. Jesus is not there, but surprisingly, his grave clothes are, just as they would have been if he was still lying there, but lying in place, lying flat, as if the body had simply vanished. But that's not all. There was also what looked like a young man, clothed in a white robe, speaking to them a strange tiding in this place of death. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. This young man is not a young man at all, but an angel, a heavenly messenger of God that he sent to deliver the good news of salvation to these women. The angel sitting in the midst of the darkened tomb must have seemed a strange sight, wearing a white robe of heavenly purity, and indeed it was alarming. His countenance was like lightning, St. Matthew writes, but his message was the strangest part of it all. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, who was crucified, who was dead, who was buried. He is risen. He is not here. What a strange and wonderful message to hear. They had come to anoint the body of Jesus so that he could be buried well. But they didn't need to do that anymore. He's risen. And what an awesome message. And truly awesome in the older sense of the word, filling with awe, inspiring, and fear. Yes, they went out quickly and fled from the tomb. They trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone. They were afraid. Now, this doesn't mean that they never told anyone what happened. Of course not. Otherwise, how could St. Mark have written this down for us? No, when it says they went out quickly and said nothing to anyone because of their great fear, we should understand that to mean that they went out and went straight about the task that the angel had given them. They had a holy fear, instead of, and so instead of proclaiming aloud what the angel had said, they quickly went about the task of telling his disciples what happened, what the angel had said. Unlike Saint Anna, the prophetess who told every passerby in the temple courts that God was delivering his people when Jesus was brought into the temple at 40 days old, these women ran past people as they went to the places the various disciples were going to tell them he is risen, just as he said. How wonderful, awesome, and glorious this message. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, the crucified. He is risen. He is not here. This is the great triumphal message of Easter. It is the central point of the Christian faith. 
and if it were to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to be false, then there's nothing left for us. And so it's important that it was recorded for us by the four holy evangelists. Yes, Ali, <clears throat> the history of it is sacred, and we should treasure and hold it in our hearts. Yes, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. But what is so important is what this means for us. For Christ did not rise as Lazarus did, just to die again. No, his resurrection is unique in all of history, and its meaning is central to our faith. When Jesus rose, he rose for good. St. Paul puts it this way in the sixth chapter of Romans. Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. Yes, just as our Lord's death was unique, so too is his resurrection. His death, unlike all other deaths in history, was a death undeserved. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Rather, he took upon himself our sins. He suffered for us our just penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death, and on the cross, Christ our Lord took upon himself the wages of all the world's sin, and he died. But since death had no true claim to him, he did not remain in the grave. Death, in reality, never had dominion over him. He submitted himself to death, laid down his own life. And just as he laid down his own life, so too he picked it back up again. By his death, he has destroyed death. By his resurrection, he has brought life and immortality to light. He has defeated death by death. He has robbed it of its power. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? For Christ has defeated you. He has shown that you are not final, O death. For Jesus Christ, true man and true God, has died, and more than that, he is risen. And still today, he is risen. And so what does it mean that death is robbed of its power and he has defeated it? What does it mean for us who still die because of our sins? First, it means the forgiveness of sins. St. Paul says the sting of death is sin, for through sin we are sentenced to death. And so if Christ has taken our sins upon himself, if he has suffered for us, if he has paid the just penalty we deserve, and he has, then he has won forgiveness for us. His blood has made atonement for our sin. His rising from the dead brings with him our forgiveness and justification, having left our sins in the dust of death. The angel tells the women, go tell his disciples and Peter. And Peter, go tell his disciples, even the one who swore that he would not deny his Lord and yet did so three times. Go tell his disciples, even the one who invoked a curse upon himself in order to deny that he knew Jesus. Go tell his disciples, even Peter, that the Lord has risen for him. For he did not only rise for the others, but he rose also for Peter. The forgiveness which he won on the cross is even for Peter. He too must hear the good news. He too must hear that the Lord loves him and died for his sin and has been raised for his justification. So too, brothers and sisters, he rose for you. He rose for your justification after having died for your sins. 
He rose to forgive Peter, to forgive me, to forgive you. The Lord said through the prophet Malachi, to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. This pointed to Christ's resurrection. For he has risen from the dead and he comes to forgive our sins and clothe us with his righteousness. Yes, those who believe in Christ Jesus, who trust in him, receive the forgiveness of sins and the righteousness which Christ has won for them, and they are renewed by the Holy Spirit. And with forgiveness of sins comes the promise of our resurrection. For Christ has been raised from the dead, he no more will die. Death has no power over him. If our sins are likewise forgiven, if they are put away, we can face our death with confidence, with confidence that it's not the end, that death is not finality. Rather, for the one with faith in Christ, the grave is the door to life immortal. For death cannot hold us if sin is forgiven. More than that, since we are united to Christ Jesus by faith, since through holy baptism we have been united to his death and resurrection, his death has become our death. In holy baptism, you have already died, and now as Christ was raised, so too you will be raised in the end. The prophet Job writes, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, not another. The Redeemer whom Job is refers to is none other than Christ our Lord, who has redeemed us with his innocent sufferings and death. When he returns and once again stands upon the earth, then even though we may have been dead for many years so that our skin is destroyed, he whose flesh did not see corruption in death will raise us up again. On that day our souls, which have through death been separated from our bodies will be reunited to them. On that day we will rise. And as Job said, myself, not another. That is, it will be truly you who rises. Even though everything that's left of us may be scattered to the four winds, God will knit you back together again, unite you body and soul, so that you will rise again yourself, redeemed, and renewed. This is the great hope of our faith, that we will rise again. Heaven, as we often picture it and understand it, is not the final goal. Rather, it's the resurrection and life eternal in the new creation. We were not created to be disembodied spirits. We were created to be body and soul. And in Christ's resurrection, we see promised our resurrection. Death no more has dominion over him. In him, it has no dominion over us either. Just as he lives and will never die again, when we are raised too, we shall never die. Heaven as the place of rest for the blessed dead in God's presence is only temporary. It is truly the rest and reward of the saints, those who are righteous in God's sight through his Son, and it is joyous and good beyond all telling, but what is coming is even better. In the resurrection, we will be as we were meant to be at the beginning of creation. There we will be with Christ, 
There we will be with all believers of all time. There we will be with God in the new creation, never to die again. Thanks be to God for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may he keep us steadfast in this true faith, believing and trusting in him for life everlasting through the merits and mediations of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.